0: Jim Morris says you cannot be a suburb of nothing, and the core city perhaps is the most important neighborhood in our city. And if we don't all chip in to make sure that it is positive and a place where we can all gather and we can work and whatever else, then we will be back to where they call us in the No Place, and we
1: don't want that. Welcome to Off The Record, a podcast featuring leaders on IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, which publishes the Indiana 250, a list of the most influential business people in the state. Today, I'm joined by Rick Fusen, CEO of Pacers Sports Entertainment. Next year, Rick will celebrate his 40th year with the Pacers organization. After graduating from Indiana University, he began his career with Pacers Sports Entertainment in 1984 as director of special events with his first big event, the 1985 NBA All-Star Game. Rick has played a prominent role in Indy's successful sports strategy over the last four decades, including leadership positions in the planning and execution of the 2012 Super Bowl and multiple men's and women's NCAA Final Fours held in Indianapolis. Whether it's Indy's hosting of World Gymnastics Championships, Big Ten Basketball Championships, or World Swimming Championships, Rick Fusen has been there leading and putting Indy and Indiana on the world stage. Rick serves on many important civic boards in our city and he served as chairman of the Indiana Sports Corporation when Indiana played host to the entire NCAA tournament in 2021. A remarkable time and remarkable achievement for our city and state. There are a handful of civic leaders who have played a pivotal role in elevating our city through sports and without a doubt, Rick Fusen is one of those individuals. Here's our conversation. Rick, welcome to Off the Record Podcast. I'm so glad to have you as my guest. Thank you.
0: I'm great and happy to
1: be here, tell you. It's a pleasure to be with you, Nate, too, as you lead this IBJ. It's very important. Thank you, Rick. Really appreciate that. So, Rick, you're an Indiana guy, an Indy guy through and through. Tell us about growing up in Indy and the young Rick Fusen. Were you always driven by sports as a kid?
0: I grew up on the northeast side. I went to city schools, uh, went to IPS 71, 106, and then Arlington High School. Then I ran track there. I played basketball, played football, and then went on to IU and played um, uh, football. But I never, ever, ever imagined uh, that I'd be in sports, especially as long as I've been. My dad was a sports writer for the Indianapolis News. And so, some people would say, hey, you're either going to be a journalist or you know, you're know you going to be a writer, whatever the case, and cover sports. But there was never really an interest there. Actually, uh, we can talk about it, but I kind of got lucky in this job for sure.
1: You played football for a couple of years. In what position did you play at IU?
0: Well, I played a wide receiver at IU. Actually, it was fun because I got a touchdown against Ohio State but then I tell the truth and it, I did get a touchdown against Ohio State, but it was a JV game. But, <laughs> you know, but it was still a touchdown against Ohio we'll State. We'll take that. Yeah, sure. exactly right.
1: So, after you graduated IU, Rick, you spent some time in California and when you did that, did you always know that you'd end up back in Indiana or was there a chance that you could have stayed out there or somewhere else?
0: I came out of college in 1975 and it was an interesting economic time to say the least. And my degrees in political science and so that says – to many folks, uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. I wasn't going to be a doctor. I wasn't going to be an accountant. I could have been a lawyer, I guess. So I, I really uh, didn't specialize in anything. But I got a job in San Francisco, in Berkeley area, through Jim Morris, who was at that time working with Lillian Endowment, And Lillian Endowment had given a grant to a, a place called the Institute for Local Self-Government. And I got a chance to go out there. I was out there a year you know, I liked California. I was there at a very interesting time. Patty Hurst got caught. It was the end of the Haight-Ashbury area. But, you know, California is not, not for me. I believe in my heart of hearts that I always thought I'd get back home. And I came back home after a year and been here ever since.
1: Drawing on that, from your perspective, why do you think you had a draw to come back? Is there something that made Indiana special in your mind and why you decided to stay here and build your life and career here?
0: Indiana, to me, is home. Indianapolis is home, whether you live in the city or you live in the suburbs. As far as I'm concerned, Indiana has everything I've ever wanted. You know, I can get it on an airplane, and I can go across the pond. I can drive to Chicago. I can drive to St. Louis. I can drive to Louisville, Cincinnati, whatever else. But, you, you know, I mean, it, here's home, and we've got a great many things. I raised kids here, met my wife here, and I guess your expectation is what your life's about, but I love the city. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Well, you've also been a a loyal guy in terms of staying with one organization, Pacer Sports and Entertainment. And I know you just mentioned one of them. I know you've had some wonderful leaders, mentors over the years that you could learn from. As you look back, Rick, over your career and how you developed as a leader, who are some of the more important people have had the biggest impact on you and your leadership style as you've uh, progressed?
0: After 40 years, I got to start with uh, Herb Simon. And Melvin um, was alive for many of those years. And that family, led by those gentlemen, that made such a difference in our city and our state, but they made a difference in me. Uh, and through them, through my dad and through through the Simons, I got to meet guys like Larry Conrad, um, you know, who was the secretary of state and who loved Indianapolis and talked so positively about it. I worked for a guy named Bob Salyers in the early days. I worked for Donnie Walsh. I worked for Jim Morris. When I got out of college uh, and come back from California, I worked for a guy named Percy McAllister, who ran McAllister Machinery out on the east side, but he was also a great civic leader and a leader of the, the Capital Improvements Board. Uh, so, I think those people have affected me most in terms of my career, and they have given back to the community. I think they, they taught me to give back to the community, and I think that's why uh, I have spent my life in one place, and it changes every day. You know, we can talk about the Pacers, we can talk about the fever, we can talk about Elton John or the Eagles or whoever, and it changes every day. And so I'm so proud that I've been able to do that and so proud that I've been able to know those men who have made
1: such a difference. All those men that you just mentioned all had a love, I know, for the city and and for the state. So I'm sure that had to rub off on you. They're just love for Indiana and for the city of Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, you know, Jim Morris talks about often about uh, seeing yourself in the in the largest possible context. And I think that's what all those gentlemen helped teach me, that it's just not about the day job. It's just not about going home at the end of the day. It's about giving that one more hour, that two more hours, whatever the case, to make the city better.
1: So in terms of what drives you as a leader, are there any core values that inform your leadership style that may have played a part in, in your growth and your success over the years?
0: I think I finally understand leadership a little bit. Teddy Roosevelt was asked one time, what's the difference between being a leader and being a boss? And he said, a leader leads and a boss drives. In my 40 years, I think most of the first 30 years, maybe 30 to 35 even, has been about being a boss and driving. And I think finally, as I've believed in people, you know, I finally got to be a leader because I think leading is more important. That's the thing I'm most excited about myself is I'm 70 years old and I didn't stop learning at 60 or 65 in that time frame. And I think I finally came to a realization from a leadership standpoint that leadership to me is really about listening and learning from our customers, from our employees, and from our community. And I think when I've been able to get there, I've been the happiest, I've been the most satisfied, and I've been able to look to the future and it's been fantastic.
1: So, four decades with the Pacers organization, I know you've had to meet some really interesting characters I mean, you've been around thousands of basketball players, movie stars, I'm sure, concert performers, some of whom you just mentioned. Who would fall into the most interesting category of people that you've met or or been around? And is there an interesting story or two that might be uh, fun for our listeners? I've met so many people. Just let's name a few. I go from Magic and Bird
0: and Jordan all at the same time. Those guys in their own right are characters, and he could tell stories. But I'm not going to go there. I met Billy Joel and Elton at the same time. I could talk about that, but Elton wouldn't like what Billy said. Uh, so we'll just we'll just <laughs> leave, leave it at it, that. Leave it at that. You know, think about Pavarotti, um, and, and you know, now Bocelli. Across this board, uh, Celine Dion was probably one of the nicest people in the business that I've known uh, that I, I got to meet over the years, and probably the absolute sweetest person I, was the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama, to be in the Dalai Lama's presence, whether you agree with politics or whatever else the case may be, the fact that he is such a world leader and was at such a young age is just, just uh, you know, amazing. I met because of my job at the Indianapolis Prize a few years ago, Harrison Ford. And I got to sit with Harrison Ford for about an hour and we just had a conversation. And it's amazing when a guy like that, who is such a superstar, uh, will sit and talk to, to me Uh, And we talked about kids and and whatever else. So the bottom line is superstars are not always so arrogant. And that's very important. Just a couple quick other things. So Pan Am Games, 1987, I happened to be in charge of the closing ceremonies. And it was, you know, Pan American group and whatever else. And so we decided to hire Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Estefan for the closing ceremonies. What we didn't realize was that Gloria Estefan's grandfather worked for Batista, who was overthrown by Castro. And it almost started an international incident. And I think Mark Miles and Larry Conrad had to negotiate with the Cuban government to make sure that the Cubans showed up to get the flag because they were going back to them next. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. And the last one I'll talk about is I I met remarkable people at the International Association of Firefighters. We had their opening ceremony at Market Square Arena. And my buddy and I, Tom Rutledge, who I've worked with forever, decided we were going to do pyro in the finale. And so we put the pyro ready and it was underneath the stage. And there was a Canadian chaplain who got up to give the invocation. And he was giving the invocation. And during the invocation, all the pyro went off underneath the stage. And he ended his uh, invocation by saying, "In a prayer, and I pray that the to the dear Lord that the state fire marshal approved what just happened. So you just <laughs> never know what's going to happen uh, throughout the years in the business. A lot of great people.
1: I think I'm most jealous of the hour you got with Harrison Ford because I'm a Star Wars geek. So that that sounds pretty cool. Let's take a quick break. This is Off the Record podcast. <laughs> Get caught up on the state's top business news
0: every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand podcast, available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Off the Record Podcast. I'm Nate Feltman, CEO of IBJ Media, and I'm talking with Pacer Sports and Entertainment CEO Rick Fusen. So the Pacers have had some great teams over the years. I, I remember the Reggie Miller years vividly because I was in law school and I and, uh, happened to be lucky enough to attend one of the NBA Finals games against the Lakers that included Shaquille O'Neal and, of course, Kobe Bryant. And that was just an incredibly exciting time for our city and our state. And I know, of course, Herb Simon and the entire team, you and the team every day work to get back to the Finals. And I know it's got to be as a smaller market team tough, you know, when you see some of the players go to LA or to Miami or to New York. But then you see a Milwaukee come through. Of course, they get a a great draft pick, which helps a lot. But as you think about the future of the Pacers organization, what, what do you think needs to happen for the Pacers to one day make it back to the finals?
0: Well, I think we got to believe that, uh, Kevin Pritchard and Herb and, uh, and, uh, Chad Buchanan and Kelly Koscroff and the whole group is just like you said, working at it hard. And you think about what they've been able to do remarkable trades under interesting circumstances. You, you look at Tyrese now. I mean, he's a real guard. He's a real player. You know, he played on the national team this summer. We're just starting camp today, and they, they come in. They're all healthy. their team. They, they all worked out together out at the city. They seem to have come together. So I can't say we're going to go to the finals, but I'll tell you what. I am as excited I've been for a long time in terms of seeing this group of young men be together. They want to play together. They want to be together. And I think sometimes teams can beat you and beat the best teams by just having a a togetherness. And I think that's what we have to believe in. Hey, we've had some tough times. I've been there long enough to be there at the bad, the good, the ugly, the real ugly, whatever the case may be. But I think now we're on the right trajectory. But at the same time, you look at Golden State and you look at New York and you look at Miami or whatever else, we're like the 24th largest city, you know, in the country. Those megapolises, you know, that have all these millions and millions of people, you know, they can charge a $1,000 for a seventh row seat <laughs> and it's just not in the cards here. That's not whining. That's just saying, hey, it's different. And when they will spend $300 million, you know, $200 million over the tax, whatever the case may be, you know, it's, it's difficult at that time. But I believe... That Herb Simon is as committed as he was when he first bought the team 41 years ago. I think we've had some great guys. We've had Donnie Walsh, and we've had Bird, and now Pritchard. These guys are committed to making sure that we've got great talent, and they're going to build it. It may not be the way that people think it should be. They think we should tank and get number one, whatever the case may be. That's not what we're about. We're about making sure that we do it the right way. And so I believe that the future is bright for this franchise.
1: It's exciting. There are a lot of exciting young players on the team, I know, and I'm excited to see this year's cast. Well, tell us something maybe, Rick, that's surprising about you. You, You've you've talked a lot about some of the professional things you've done, of course, uh, over your 40 years with the Pacers and and even before, but uh, is there something surprising that maybe we don't know about you? Two of the really great things that I do in my off time, Karen and I, um, we had a place in
0: Brown County and we were gardeners. And a lot of people would never expect me to have my uh, hands in the dirt, you know, planting tomatoes or pulling weeds, whatever the case may be. And the other one is, no matter how you believe, think about this, I love hunting. And at the property in Brown County, there are, you know, there's rabbits and deer and turkeys and, you know, being in with nature. And those are a couple of things that people would never, ever, ever, when I'm standing at a Pacer game for so many years with a tie on, whatever the case, never expected me to be. But that's probably been the most happy time that I've had in my life when I was in Brown County and, and we were doing gardening and, and the hunting thing. So, it's exciting that I can get away from do those things.
1: I know Pacers Sports Entertainment are doing their part to reinvigorate downtown and the region as a whole. And and one of those things is the upgrades to Gainbridge Fieldhouse, but even maybe more visible than, than, uh, than that is what's happening around Gainbridge with the opening of the Bicentennial Unity Plaza just north of the fieldhouse that features art and a basketball court and a skating rink. How do you envision this new Bicentennial Park? How do you envision this space being used? And and what will this venue mean, do you think, for the reinvigoration of downtown?
0: I think it already has proven itself. Interestingly enough, I've said this over the last few weeks since we opened it that it's kind of becoming the people's court. About any time of the day when it's open, you will find young people and older folks, men and women who are playing basketball, little kids. I mean, it's unbelievable. And they'll do it before a game, but they'll do it in the morning. You know, we've had exercise class that, that we didn't put on. Uh, some, some folks were down there and just did their exercise class. Uh, you know, and then with the art, it was, I think it was said when we opened the place that where else but Indiana would you have a basketball court with an international piece of art above it? And that's what's happened here. You know, our our sphere, which is two things coming together, but they don't come together perfectly. It's about celebrating the bicentennial, but it's also celebrating unity. But the work is not done because it doesn't meet perfectly. Uh, And then the sphere, which has video in it, can tell a story about whether the events are there or Indianapolis or Indiana, whatever the case may be. And as already people are coming to look at it, we want the kids to come down from third and fourth grade from all the schools around and be able to, to participate in that. And then the mural, which is almost finished, that has 40-some individuals from the last 200 years who made a difference in making Indianapolis what it is today, is just fantastic in terms of what the artist has been able to put on a building. It's just not one individual like you see, and there's so many great ones, Major Taylor and James Wick and Riley, et cetera, if you look around. But this has 40-some individuals who are painted in blue, basically, surrounded by gold. So, it's kind of a a point toward the Pacers, but at the same time, it's about our history. And it's about those folks, all all who have now passed, who have made Indianapolis so great. And we're going to use this thing as many days as we can. It'll be open every day. We've already used it for some private events. Uh, We've used it for some public events. And we have some concerts there that we're promoting. So you're going to see a lot lot of things happening there. But if you don't come to an event, I just want you to come there and sit and think about Indianapolis and think about your place in Indianapolis, about how this is a place where people can come together. And everybody's got their opinion, but nobody has to express their opinion there. It's just about being together.
1: Another impactful opportunity I know you're leading and it is coming up, and that's playing host to the 2024 NBA All-Star Game. And as I mentioned in your intro, you had just started working for the Pacers the last time Indy hosted an NBA All-Star Game back in 1985. Indy looks a lot different since uh, 1985, but the NBA All-Star Game has really turned into quite the extravaganza and media opportunity for the city, for the state. What do you think this will mean for the city of Indianapolis hosting next year?
0: I think it's already meant a lot of things. Uh, we did do the 85, and, and that was a really a three-day event, but we had one big dinner, and then we had, at Market Square Arena, we had the Saturday night, and then at the Hoosier Dome, we had 40,000 people for the All-Star Game. At that point, it was a record. But the, the team that we had there, Bird and Magic and Dr. J, and, you know, on and on, was amazing. And it was new for Indianapolis, and this place was new. We had had, the uh, year before, we had had the Olympic Game, uh, 70,000 people in, in the Hoosier Dome, and this was a way for us to showcase uh, to, the, to the NBA. Into the world in professional sports. This time, we've been working on this thing for seven years. Our bid was taken by Larry Bird down Fifth Avenue in an IndyCar and close Fifth Avenue. I mean, who else can do that but Indianapolis and Larry Bird. And the bid, we got it for 21. Uh, Obviously, the pandemic came along. We had to push it back and we pushed it back to 24. But actually, it It worked very well for us because we were able to get the whole renovation done of Gamebridge Fieldhouse and the plaza. So, actually, we're in a better stead today because of the building than we would have been in 2021. So, this thing is exponentially larger now. 1,800 media, not from just the United States, just not from North America, but they're from the world. You know, the NBA is seen in 200 plus countries and broadcast in 47 plus languages. I worked the Super Bowl, I worked the World Championships of many kinds, the Pan Am Games, whatever else. But this really is probably the most worldwide type event that we've ever done because of the media coverage. And the other thing is, this scores of the All-Star Game will be in every newspaper, on every sports broadcast, whatever else, you know, across the country as well. So, they're going to know Indianapolis. I mean, we have great Colts football games on CBS, but that pretty much goes Geofenced. And this event is worldwide. There's not a place that won't hear about it. And that's one of the reasons we've gone to India and we've gone to the Philippines. We've gone to China. And the NBA continues to grow Africa. And for Indianapolis to be part of that for basically four or five days where they see Indianapolis in a different way. We want this to be the most fan-centric all-star game ever. And I've been to a lot of them and you'll know it's in Indianapolis. Sometimes you don't know what's happening in the city, but we're going to do a show here that people will remember.
1: It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it, and I know it's going to draw a lot of attention and uh, eyeballs from around the world, so it's fantastic for our city and state. Just thinking about all the things you've been involved in over the years, Rick, you've been very engaged in the community and the state, and I know you care so much about our city. Do you have any thoughts or ideas about what we could do as a city to Further reinvigorate our downtown. I, I know some of the people you mentioned as mentors and, and yourself, I know how you think because I, I work with you on different opportunities that you you feel that we've got to have a strong downtown, a strong core for Indianapolis region and the state as well to prosper. Any, any thoughts of what we could do to, to move the needle? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And sometimes I'd be very outspoken about it. But I've been around for 40 years and
0: I'm headed on to the future. And so I think the first thing that has to happen is we need to get rid of the negativity about downtown. Political campaigns are political campaigns. But but aside from that, all of us as leaders have got to stop the rhetoric about downtown is scary. Downtown is not safe. Downtown is dirty. If you think that, then then come out of your building and help to change it. So, I plead with my colleagues, I plead with those who are in positions like yours or others that during the pandemic, you know, a lot of us, including John Licklider and others, Denny Sponsel, we went all and picked weeds downtown. This is a real case where you got to put your money where your mouth is. So, I think that's one of the most important things. On the other side of it, we've got to continue to celebrate our successes. You know, if you think about what's going on downtown now, I mean, all the way up to IU Health Building, look at the cranes there. Look at the cranes we've had in, in downtown Indianapolis. Look at the money that the CIB put into the arena. Look at the hotel that the city is going to build by the convention center. And and we're able to have two citywide conventions at the same time. Look at what Herb and his groups are looking at in terms of where the CSX building, 100-plus-year-old building. You know, if it can come down and we can put an, a hotel there and some other things, you know, it's, it's dramatic. Think about, you know, the Colts are still down. Downtown. You think about the Indians are downtown. You, you think about Ursal and the soccer team, the Pacers, the Fever, uh, all, all the things that are going on. I mean, we need to celebrate downtown. We may not have as many people coming downtown to work every day, but we got to get people to come downtown and there's a lot to sell. That's why we're doing things like we're doing on skating. When I was a kid, we used to skate on Monument Circle, and then we did the Pan Am uh, Pan Am building. Well, that all went away, so we're going to bring it back and say, hey, come on downtown. We're not trying to take on Carmel or Fishers or whatever else. we got to all come together at the regional level, too, and I think that will help downtown. Jim Morris says you cannot be a suburb of nothing, and the core city perhaps is the most important neighborhood in our city. And if we don't all chip in to make sure that it is positive and a place where we can all gather and we can work and whatever else, then we will be back to where they call us Indy No Place. And we don't want that.
1: The positive news is we do look so much better than 1985 and so much progress has been made. But I couldn't agree with you more in terms of there's this uh, feeling that if you live up in the north suburbs or even the south suburbs that- it doesn't meet, really match with reality. The feeling of unsafe or, or dirty, I mean, doesn't match often with reality. In this case, uh, you know, I'm right down here on the circle. IBJ is down on the circle. And we go out here, and as you walked in the building, uh, it's it's a beautiful day, and the circle is wonderful. And we got spark on the circle that uh, drawing people. So I, I couldn't agree with you yeah. more.
0: Just another mention first. we got to do a better job of believing ourselves and we got to do a better job of marketing to ourselves. You know, I think Visit Indy uh, does a tremendous job, you know, name the number one convention town by USA Today. You know, you think about that, that's a big deal. And we market to the other cities, we market to the people outside of Indianapolis, but I don't think we market to ourselves well enough. And we've got to pay attention and, and do a better job of many things, I think, but it's still a great city.
1: I agree with you 100%. So the new CEO of Indy Chamber, a guy named Matt Mindrum, who's just taking the reins or will be taking the reins here shortly, he had a a saying that I thought was very true, which he said, you know, most of the time a brand is ahead of the product, but we've got a product in this case as the head of the brand, which is basically what you're saying, that we haven't done a great job of marketing what we do have here.
0: You're right. And Matt being a marketer, I think he's going to make a difference there. There's no doubt about it. But I also think that we need to come together. I think the Indiana for years has done a great job with Indiana Economic Development Corporation. There's no doubt about it. Some important people have led that, you know, but I think Indianapolis has got to come together to do that. And you know what, sometimes again, we don't sell ourselves there and we're all for economic development at a regional, but we need to understand that Indianapolis we need to pay attention to Indianapolis sometimes, and I know Fisher's going to continue to grow. We, you know, we brought the mad ants into Noblesville, Lily, and and all are doing such great things in, in Lebanon. But we got to pay attention to the core. So I, I think we need to make sure that the Indy Chamber is is doing that, that Gypsy is doing that, that the the mayor's office is doing that, the government from the state is helping us, and I think we're going to come back where people will say from Carmel or Speedway or or Greenwood, whatever the case may be, you know, I went downtown. I didn't believe what they were saying. But you know what?
1: I believe now. Very well said. Well, Rick, we've made it to off the record speed round where I'm going to ask our guest you today a series of questions in somewhat rapid fashion. So uh, here we go. Rick's favorite movie? Somewhere in Time. Favorite place to vacation? Florida. Favorite musical artist? Eagles. What's the first thing you do in the morning? Thank God I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Title of the last book you read? I don't read books. What food can you not live without? White castles. Best advice you ever received? Do not burn bridges. Advice for a young person who wants to develop into a leader? You better work hard and you'll get there. Are you a fan of the spark the circle and perhaps closing off more of the circle in order to make uh, the circle more of a gathering place, or should we leave it alone and back to the way it was?
0: I am a fan of closing more of the circle and making it
1: a place for all people of Indianapolis to gather. End of the story. Me too. I'm with you. LeBron or Michael Jordan? LeBron. Whoa, you got me on that one. Rick, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the Indiana 250 Off the Record podcast. And thank you for all you do for the city and for our state, Rick. It's been my pleasure and I'm very grateful to you all. Thank you. Thanks to Rick Fusen, Pacer Sports and Entertainment CEO, for our conversation today. To learn more about leaders in IBJ Media's Indiana 250 list, go to indiana250.com and look for a page two feature each week in IBJ. We'll be back with the new Indiana 250 conversation soon.